This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Swindon Town. Back again, Joe. Hello. Hello, Rich. How are you? Yeah, all right. Stressful days, long hours, the usual. Yourself? Yeah, similar. Monday is always a bit of a busy one for me, especially when there's a press conference in the middle of it. So, uh, yeah, good to be through that now and ready to talk Bradford. Yes, a big game, uh, one that I always look forward to. But first, let's talk about the weekend. How did you find that 2-1 win over Hartlepool United? Well, I thought it was a really strange game in many ways, because I think I put this in the tweet during the match report, that Swindon were, at the same time, quite passive and slow, but then also really dynamic and sort of slaughtered Hartlepool at different points in the game and then also really wasteful in their chances. So I wasn't really sure how to how to feel about it really. I think someone said to me afterwards that I was that was pretty bad, wasn't it? I was like, I mean, I kind of agree with you, but I also don't because it feels like we could easily have won that game 6-0. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, same emotions, you know, there's some around me saying, this team isn't going to get into the playoffs, yet the other side are going, hey, we're playing like this and we're winning. So as long as we're winning, long may it continue. But it's just a weird collection of emotions right now. And I feel I feel bad, ultimately, because there we are in fifth and comfortably in the pack, too, for the top half of the table. And here I am thinking to myself, why aren't I happier? 
ingrate. Well, exactly. There was a the stat that I saw um, over the weekend that this is our best start since 2006. I looked through the league table and we played most of the, I think only about three or four of the top half. We haven't actually played yet this season. So it feels like in many ways we're doing really well, but it, it just doesn't feel that way for some reason. I, I, I feel like the football's okay. It's not anything groundbreaking or like incredible to watch, but it's not awful. Uh, but something just isn't quite there, and I, I really don't know why. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? But hey, wins are wins are wins are wins. So we move on to Bradford City away Tuesday night. I'm doing a Patreon watch along. So far, I've got a impressive streak of no wins, no draws, all losses in that one. So I'm not going to take the blame for that. That's nonsense, Joe. I can't. I can't be taking blame for this. Yeah, omens are plenty. I, I was feeling the same when the only game we've won by one more than one goal this season uh, was the Rochdale game that I wasn't present for. I was like, well, is it me? Do I need to stop showing up? But, you know, you look inwardly, but at the end of the day, you know, it is definitely our fault and we need to stop what we're doing, Rich. Just pack it all in. <laughs> oh, time to myself. What a dream that would be. So we're all going to be tuning in to I follow on Tuesday night and the lucky few hundred will be going up to Valley Parade or the University of Bradford Stadium or whatever the hell they call it these days. Oh, sounds so old, don't I? Um, we'll start with the with the standard, of course, at the press conference was yourself, Johnny Leefield of the Swindon Advertiser and Andrew Hawes of BBC Radio Wiltshire. But no change on the injury front. No, unsurprisingly, in the three days we've had in between the games, uh, you know, that it is still the same list of injuries. Rashad Hepburn Murphy out for the foreseeable future. Angus McDonald out for the foreseeable future. Reese Devine sidelined by a knock that seems to have been the case for him the entire season. Uh, just the sort of usual footballer straight after a game, feeling a little bit worse for wear from the weekend, but. All over, we should be fine to go into what is going to be a tough week with two big games on the horizon. Yeah, yeah, and there, there were there was talk of bumps and bruises, wasn't there? But nothing disclosed in in terms of who who came out of the Hartlepool game scathed. <laughs> yeah, I think it will be fairly casual stuff. We know that Jacob Wakeling is. Uh, has been struggling a little bit with his hip in the recent weeks. Not enough to keep him out of the team or anything, but just to slow him down that little bit. I think it's pretty basically all players in those situations are going to feel a little bit out. Um, worse for wear after a game, just no matter what you're doing, you're gonna, just with the natural course of things, you're going to get a few kicks and things. We know that we know at this point they've gone into Johnny Williams' um, recharge mode with the way he's going to be used in these games. So I don't think there's going to be anything that should keep anyone out beyond the obvious list that we've gone through. Yeah. And I think that's why Andrew sort of proceeded to keep asking about this because rotation was discussed before the weekend and there was no rotation. And now he pretty much said there will be rotation, but I don't know what to believe that I half expect an unchanged side, but I find it almost impossible to believe. I was I was a bit surprised, and I asked after the game. You know, was because there wasn't any changes. Was was the plan to sort of win the game early and then be able to do it then, maybe? And obviously that net didn't end up happening, which was which was not the way they really wanted the game to go. I I think there just has to be rotation. I I would be surprised 
if someone like Wakeling plays both of these games this week when we know he's feeling a little bit under, not under the weather, that's more illness, but... He was flat, wasn't he, on, on the weekend? It was a bit of a flat, lots of endeavour, but a little bit flat. Yeah, I think you can see with Wakeling, he seems to be lacking a bit of confidence in the bat, and because of this hip thing, he's not 100%, because he was getting in the right places, but just not happening for him, like it was earlier in the season. So, you know, I would be very surprised if he plays both of these games. Because of the strength of the two of them, you don't know which ones he can really make the switches in. We sh- we should hopefully see Louis Reed in one of them coming back in, mostly because A, he's needed, and B, because you'll want to make those switches in midfield as well for the games. But yeah, rotation is going to be key in Scott Lindsay, as he said. He, he said that we're going to need to stay fresh and switch some things around because of the travel and everything like that. But you know, he he, as he he did sort of say that before Hartlepool and then it didn't happen. Mm. Who would you bring Louis Reed in for on Tuesday night if, if he was to be drafted in? Um, potentially Darcy and then move Khan higher up. I thought Khan looked so much better when he was playing as an eight rather than as the holder because essentially his main skill is just driving with the ball and he was a bit slow when he was having to pass it. So I just think maybe if you could put him a bit higher, you leave Darcy, who again has been a bit flat the last couple of games. If you leave him out, then you can let him recharge a bit ahead of Mansfield and then just get Reed back in the team because he's ruddy good at football. <laughs> oh yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Khan was our attacking threat at one stage in the game, wasn't he? And he, and he should have got a penalty. Yeah, I, I, I still don't... I, I was watching the women's game after with Johnny and I think they got their penalty right before the end. It's like, it's taken... 178 minutes and about six penalty claims for one of these teams to actually get one. But um, yes, I think when Khan, because we were sort of play, playing more of a 4-2-3-1 in that game than a 4-3-3. And when Khan became that number 10, he just looked so dynamic. He was running, charging about everywhere, a bit like Thomas Dossie against Nottingham Forest all those days ago. And he was, and he, he was just looked a lo- lot more up for it and a lot more comfortable. And, you know, he could have scored off of that that Wakeling chance, and he probably—I don't—I say probably—he should have had that penalty as well. Now you said his name, I want to talk about Thomas Desevi. <laughs> I always want to talk about him. Your young eyes must have been—it must have been love. Um, it was very briefly, um, and then he played in a league match, and I was like, uh, "I've been lied to. What, what? What's this nonsense?" And, and then you're uh, then you're looking in a different direction towards a uh, Vassal Perry care instead. <laughs> Yeah, and that that went the same way, didn't it? Yeah, when when a, a Togo international rocks up, you listen. It was something that we didn't do in the nineties. We had Cameroon internationals turn up, um, and we didn't sign them. So when Danny Wilson went, yes, please, I think we all went, of course, and then oh, it didn't go to plan, did it at all? Um, a shame. Uh, Baudry. So in terms of rotation, Baudry is the one that everyone talks about, but. Okay, he made the mistake uh, on Saturday that led to Hartlepool's goal. Is it not risky resting him at this moment? Or is it more risky maybe making him more liable for injury or what have you? I don't know because I don't think Scotland Z is a huge fan of Brennan. And it's a big game. A game where if we win a lot of people will start to take notice, I think, a little bit more. Or a lot of people, especially within the Swindon fan base, will start to sort of simmer a little bit in their in their worries. What do you think about Baudry? Would you, would you rest because the guy can't train every day? So how can he play twice in a few days? What's your thoughts? 
I think you definitely can't play both of these games, but at the same time, you, we need that experience, especially in a in a situation we're going to be put in against Bradford, where they will probably be holding attack with their possession based style for a bit. It's a big, big old stadium. We know what Clayton's like. He's clearly good experience and a good head for his age. But you know, if he comes into that game and it's him and Brennan, then all of a sudden. Your um, your lead centre back and your most experienced head in the defence has played about ten games of senior football in his entire life. So I I don't know. And I thought generally on Saturday, Baudry the mistake for the goal was bad, but he recovered from them. Was probably the better of our two centre backs in the game. But I, I think maybe for Bradford you play him and then you give him the rest against Mansfield. Yeah, and and Lindsay was asked about squad and squad depth wasn't he um within the presser yeah he, he feels he's got a strong squad so much he's made an unchanged played an unchanged team three games in a row um <laughs> he's you know he, he's you know talking about forcing decisions and all that stuff uh, but i've been saying for two or three weeks now that we are now coming into the period where we will see that squad you know, we were playing one game a week when he did make those unchanged teams to be fair so he was able to do it, but we will, you know, we'll see more of the players like Tyree Shade, like hopefully Louis Reed, like probably Kieran Brennan, or possibly and Alice Andalo soon as well. Who, you know, they're the first names off the subs bench kind of players who, who will will start at least one of these two games. You would expect such a big game. They've rested Louis Reed for three matches to get him ready for it. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, he he needs he just needed that bit of sharpness, bit of a refresh, and he's he was he was really running on fumes, and so he needed the quick holiday in in Marbs. Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're all friends. We'll move on. Attacking teams. He was asking about playing more attacking side. So. We don't expect a similar experience to what we saw on Saturday and the week before. Bradford will no doubt be be looking to hit us and, and, and get plenty of chances. But again, Scott Lindsay was quick to highlight um, our form elsewhere for this one, wasn't he? He basically shut this one down immediately and went, I don't care that Bradford are going to attack us more um, because we've played those teams who sit deep and... I think Stevenage probably gave the perception and Gillingham as well that we struggled to break them down. But he is right that when we played Sutton, who looked to go longer, Grimsby, who looked to go longer, the last two teams we played have looked to go longer and we won those games as well. So I, I think the styles haven't mattered so much. I think there will be more space in behind, which will help Swindon just with a, a build-up play. It, it gives you more space to work with against a team like Bradford and they will and will get chances to counter, which again should suit Wakeling. So I, I, I think there is truth in what you're saying that it doesn't matter too much, but I, I do think that little bit of that little bit of extra space to the game will help Swindon. Let us talk about Bradford City then. The big one, obviously, that everyone talks about is that they are managed by Mark Hughes, who steadied the ship at the end of last season, and he's turning them slowly but surely into promotion candidates. They sit just below Swindon in sixth place with a game in hand and 25 points to Swindon's 26. Um, they have had a great season so far. Rocky start, um, but then it went on a pretty good run, which was ended at home to Stockport County. So they do lose at home. Well, they've lost once at home. They've got plenty of experience, but Mark Hughes hasn't sort of pulled out many uh, 
former greats, has he? I mean, that might be budgetary, but a selection of pretty experienced lower league players in there. We know about Andy Cook, I think. Was Richard Smallwood their captain, their, their big signing of the summer? Um, they've got players like Brad Halliday, who plays a lot. We know about Vidane Oliver. He's been around the houses. And of course, Romani Critchlow is currently there, as is Ryan East. Ryan East actually started the season, but he has now gone back to this familiar role of, of sitting on the bench and coming on every now and again. But there wasn't really much discussed about Bradford as a, as a side, as individuals, was there? No, it was a bit of a sort of surface treatment of Bradford. I think we still got this sort of similar stuff about what their strengths are and the way that they play. They are more possession-based under Mark Hughes, as as has been his way throughout his managerial career, really. We all remember Stoke Colonna and the glorious Mark Mooneyator days. But um they you know they are but they do have that big physical presence in Cook up top who's done well for them this season. So they're they're gonna have to play off of him. But yeah there was I think it was maybe a bit of fatigue from Andrew Hawes as well today, like the players, and he was uh, he was not wanting to dive too much into Bradford. I think generally the vibe of this presser was quite, uh, God, it's busy at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is busy at the moment, but yeah, we, no, we've only got Mansfield to prepare for as a press conference, and uh, I think a lot of the chat um, pre and post was Andrew and Johnny not really certain how they're doing Bradford in terms of staying and stuff. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of weary heads in that press box at the moment. It's so weird. You you mentioned Mark Hughes's Stoke career and who was around at that time. It's so weird having seen Bojan play for Barcelona alongside Puyol, Zambrotta, Yaya Torre, Iniesta, Xavi, Eto Messi, and Lillian Turam to then see him play for Stoke in person. Really, really humbling experience. It must have been. And my, uh, my friend, who's a good Stoke fan, has, uh, has, written, a, has written a bit of a feature piece on uh, Bojan's experience in the potteries and what a lovely time he must have had when he rocked up and saw that this is not quite the same as Barcelona or even Rome, where he'd also played. I went Bojan and I should have gone Bojan and I feel bad about it now. Well, you know, you, you can always change it in the edit if you wanted to, Rich. That takes time, doesn't it? That takes it time. Okay, we'll, we'll move back to the press. One of the big things, again, that we all know about Bradford, we all know that they have Mark Hughes as manager, and we all know they get good attendances. So this season, they've been averaging between 16 and a half, and I think they had a, a bumper um, crowd for the opening day of the season, 19,000 plus for that one. But and I was gonna I was gonna reference it regardless of the presser. But I've been to games with sixteen and a half plus thousand that have no atmosphere. I, I don't know what what it's like. I've never been to Bradford. I don't know if they generate. They just have fantastic pricing for their season tickets. Yeah, I was slightly disappointed this game was a Tuesday because I wanted to go and see what it was like up, up at Valley Parade. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, as you say, there's plenty of times it's. Lots of fans. There's not a huge atmosphere. Swindon proved that most weeks. So, you know, it's, it's <laughs> so it's oh no. So you know they 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 don't necessarily have that intimidating place to play, even though it is a bit bigger. Yeah, I'm part of the problem. Don't get me wrong, but it was so bad on Saturday, wasn't it? It was so bad. I asked a question about it today. 
<laughs> we'll get to that. Is there any other players that I'm, I'm looking at the the squad list for Bradford? Any any that you particularly want to um, highlight? I have noticed that they've got one of the Port Vale playoff players um, on loan. Is it Kean Harrit? Yeah, Kean Harrit. Didn't he? Uh, Filicky came on as sub in one of the games and played quite well against us. He started the second leg. He didn't play the first leg, and he he played about seventy odd minutes of the second, and then he scored in the final. Oh. How dare he? Yeah, how dare Mansfield for just folding like they did? I, I, I mostly blame Mansfield for everything these yeah. days, and I'll, we'll talk about that later in the week. Yeah, that's why we need to beat them in the weekend. Oh, other Swindon alum, Liam Rydhaug, is there? I've just checked that yes. one time. Yes, oh, the, the, the name that no one knows how to pronounce, <laughs> pronounce Rydhaug. Rydhaug. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, we we were, probably weren't getting the easiest ride of it when Paolo was saying it. He could have said anything, really. But um, I've yeah. always said ride Haug. It, it probably isn't. Yeah, well, we can always edit over it, can't we? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, I thought he was quite good um, during that small loan spell. Um, I was surprised they didn't extend it. Could have been a different story altogether. Yeah, he was excellent. I thought at the time it was that they didn't want him to come back. Was how how good he played for us at the in that period. It was it was disappointing. He's never come back. And Critchlow, Critchlow started pretty well at Swindon, and it kind of just fizzled out and you you can't help but think it was maybe that his parent club had sorted him out a different loan because um, he went and did nothing at Plymouth after Swindon did he it just like I said it started really promisingly and just just faded away but not necessarily to ability just minutes dried up for him yeah he was he was an interesting player because no I think when we were looking to play a back three in the summer it was the maybe we don't have the wing backs for it but I thought Certainly early in that season, Critchlow was really key how Swindon were playing because because he just drove through midfield like he didn't care from centre back. That was in sort of moving teams around. That was really useful. But yeah, he sort of I think it was against Leighton Orient. He was really poor and he just sort of faded away towards the end. So it was you know maybe a bit disappointing. And he was definitely annoyed with would have been annoyed with what happened at Plymouth. But it looks like he's played quite well at Bradford so far. Yeah, I think we were all pretty bad against Orient. That is fair. It was it was not a good evening. Uh, Scott Lindsay was asked on what has been a testing week. What's been going on? Uh, well, it's the testing week to come with the um with the big the big pair of games the you know, the playoff side from last season in Mansfield and Bradford who are currently in the playoffs as well. Um, but uh, he was definitely taking the the his self proclaimed boring route out of the question where uh, all the games are tough and all the teams can beat all the teams which is is the coward's way out in many ways. Yeah, you you watch the chain of change of rhetoric when we win both of them. <laughs> yeah, it will be um it'll be all tub thumping on on Saturday in the post match. Yeah, there wasn't much um shaky of fists after the game on the weekend unless I missed it. I did have a photo of it, but I didn't I didn't see it in action. So No. Um he, he maybe the uh, the whole atmosphere got to him a little bit and he didn't want yeah. didn't want to do the the big bear roar that he likes to do sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, I must have missed it. Uh, Scott Lindsay was then asked on testing promotion credentials, but again, sort of a not bothered, non-plus answer. Yeah, it was the um, the direct question. Is it a mark of where we are? Probably. Is it a mark of where we'll end up? Probably not. Been hearing all season that Swindon aren't where they're going to be by the end of the, by the, end of the year. So... It, it is in keeping with his previous answers, but it is it's le- certainly less fun than uh, 
and then uh, if we lose both of these then we're getting relegated kind of uh, morbid nihilism type of answer that Lindsay could have given and chose not to. Gordon Strachan would have said that in that Saki way. God, I love that guy. <laughs> you always, we always want to manage you. You just say say a lot of sardonic stuff. That's that's what we need. As much as I like Scott Lindsay, yeah, keep us on our toes. Possession, we do like possession. <laughs> he was asked about possession. Talk to me about possession, please, Joe. <laughs> we want possession more than them. We're, we're, um, it was, yeah, it was big playing team like Bradford to do have that s- slower build up style closer to us, as, as we've mentioned with the Ibrahim Afalai days of Stoke. Um, but they've, uh, he's, he's going all out saying once again, well, we're just going to have more of it, so it's not going to matter how much they want the ball because we're going to have it. Big news Swindon aren't a counter attacking team. No, they're not. They are, They have most of the ball most of the time, so not many chances for counter attacks. But we do have the players to do them, which I don't know necessarily how true that is because we have quite a few wingers who aren't particularly fast, like Johnny Williams, but. I'm sure they could counter-attack were it to come to it. There was there was a counter against Hartlepool. I think it was Wakeling. And we've, we've had plays over the years where you just know we're going to score. And I think Dan highlighted it on the pod. It was just like I had no faith in him scoring it whatsoever. And that's exactly what happened. But it was one of those days, wasn't it? Yeah, for him particularly, it was, it was, we could have played that game for a lot longer and created as many chances as we wanted. We weren't going to score another one. They were... Swindon were just off it for whatever reason in front of goal. You mentioned Johnny Williams there. I guess my question to you is, how do we manage Johnny Williams now until the World Cup? Because he's going to be feeling nervous. He is our joint top scorer this year. He's key. But at the same time, this is his last opportunity to make the biggest event in world football. Would you respect that? Or would you say, Johnny, you're playing... Or would you say you're starting, but we'll, we'll take you off like we did on the weekend after 65, 70 minutes? How, how would you manage that? It's quite a big man management test for Scott Lindsay, this, because he could very easily and quite rightly just go, well, you're our player, so we're playing you. But I, I think just even if there wasn't the World Cup on the horizon, uh, you know, we, we know that Johnny Williams' minutes need to be managed anyway if he's going to keep playing, because he's, his entire career tells you why he's He's very rarely stayed on the pitch for as long as he has for well. He's never stayed on the pitch for as long as he has for Swindon. So, I I, I think you need to manage it anyway. I I think just to keep him in in the happiest pace possible and probably keep playing his football as well as he has been, you probably do to say, give us an give us an hour and then if we're in the lead, you can come off. How many more games do we have before we lose him? Do we know? Um, that he, what he's going to leave tenth of November ish. Okay, so so a few games to go. Yeah, a handful. I, I guess my sort of side of it is, as, I, as I've said a million times, he's on the plane. So it's not about like, Gaffer, you've got to play me because Robert Page has said, if I'm not playing, I'm not going. He's on the plane, let's be honest. It's purely fitness. So, oh man, it's going to be, you know, he's not going to be playing against Stockport. <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be... It's going to be the essentials, isn't it? Yeah, he's. We just need to get him to that plane. He's he's already got his his ticket booked. He just needs to not be in a wheelchair to get there. So that's that's the kind of heart crushing thought of it in many ways. He's as I, as I've said before, I, I saw him having the interview with Welsh TV 
like they all know he's going. He almost he probably knows he's going. Like he just needs to get there. And when it's a World Cup, the first time since 1958 Wales have been, Swindon very rarely get footballers there, and it's this close. It's 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 a really weird point in the season where Swindon obviously need to be winning games, but we we don't want to deny this guy going. No, I, I feel as a 100% Englishman with not an ounce of non-English blood, um, it would have to go several, several hundred years to even get out of Wiltshire. I am desperate for him to make it. And I feel nervous about it. And just looking at the fixture list, I think it's Bradford and Mansfield are going to pretty much be his last two unless they play him against Stockport in the FA Cup, which I would think would be just plain mean. Although, you know, we want to proceed or progress, sorry, in the FA Cup. I just I just want him there. I, you know, and, and I don't think Swindon will allow him to do that David Beckham at South Africa role of just being suited up and smiling on the bench if he gets injured. Well, I mean, if he's not available, Swindon, we might be able to let him be Rob Page's special assistant. But um, yeah, I, I just want to see him in a little FIFA bib doing a little yep. jog up the sideline because he's not going to be on the pitch. But uh, I want to see him during the England game, just being there. I, I don't care. Really, I, I mean, I would rather Wales didn't do particularly well because it means that England would do better. But, you know, I, I just want him to be on that plane. I, I'd love to see him on the pitch, as, as unlikely as that probably is. What would your feeling be if he scored against England? Oh, weird, wouldn't it? It'd be so so conflicting because I love Johnny Williams. He's such yeah. a lovely human being and, and obviously a, a, a wonderful footballer for Swindon. But also, you know, I, I would be furious if England didn't beat Wales and if Johnny Williams did that then that that might sour my whole perception of the man. I'm glad it's the last game of the group stage because we're either thoroughly out or uh, it doesn't matter because we're through. Could be a Diego Maradona in Naples moment during Italia 90. Goodness me, well imagine that, imagine that. Shall we listen to your audio? Let's listen. Come on Joe, your stats. (laughs) Unfortunately not, I'm still working on some stuff for the next uh, stats but... um, just wanting to talk to you about, you talked about the Bradford atmosphere, but um, at, at home games, um, it, the crowd dropped a little bit. That's partially due with Hartlepool not bringing many. And it felt like it was quite subdued for quite a while, despite you scored two early goals. Do you feel like you're getting what you want from your home crowd at the moment? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think they're turning out in their numbers. Um, you know, the, the attendances have been good. I think that like any football club, they want to see goals. Um, they want to see fast attacks. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I, I think sometimes the crowd do get frustrated, maybe with with um, certain moments in the game when you know they want us to shoot when it's not really on to shoot, or they want us to cross it when it's not we're not in a good crossing position, and we have to play kind of round the back a little bit more to open spaces out. That's kind of normal, but yeah, I think so. You obviously don't. Uh, I'll keep that to myself. But um, you come up against a really experienced and high-level manager in Mark Hughes tomorrow. Are you excited for that kind of duel to see if you can pit your wits against someone like that? Um, yeah, I suppose so. I haven't really thought of it, Joe, if I'm honest with you. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's probably going to be um, an experience standing next to a man who's, who's done what he's done um, in the game as a player and as a manager. So, yeah, I suppose so. That's all from me. Thanks, Scott.
Thank you, Joe. So home crowds, you've you've asked about it. I, I liked it because really, it is it is so weird. I mean, for Bradford City fans, for example, I was looking at their their attendances. You know, they had seventeen thousand for a home game against. Wimbledon and then the following game they had 2,500 at Harrogate which a healthy chunk of those would have been Bradford fans it's such a bipolar sort of experience that they go through but it doesn't necessarily mean it's it's a cauldron of 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 intimidation does it but Lindsay was there saying well you know we have eight and a half ten thousand every week but there is a difference isn't there yeah definitely and you know it didn't help that Hartlepool brought 123 people, but that crowd was definitely down on the week before, and that was down on the week before that. And that the atmosphere was... Scott Lindsay was too nice to say this, but the atmosphere was absolutely horrendous on Saturday. When you've scored two goals in the opening 20 minutes, and you know there's just nothing going on, and even before then, it was worse. You could hear every kick of the ball. There was not even disdain either. There was not even angst because we were very comfortable. And the atmosphere was flat before the game. It was really flat in the first 10 minutes. We scored the the, the two goals and the two goals came in a, in a way that, OK, this is going to be five or six nil. And then they pulled one back. It was a bit, oh, here we go. And then it just went back to what we've seen in previous weeks. Yeah, it was, it was you know... We've seen it under Wellens, how good that atmosphere can be with crowd fans in the stands. It wasn't brilliant last season, but it was definitely better than this. It was just, you know, this, as I said, this is the best win that have started a season since 2006. You can think what you want about the manager. You can think what you want about the style of play. But the only way that tempo goes up even more is if that crowd is rocking like it can be. And it just wasn't. It was so bad and just difficult to be in when obviously obviously I can't be chanting I'm in the press box but you know it's it just needs to be better than that when you're when Swindon are a club that has second biggest attendances in the in the league we can really use that and they that team is just not getting it from the crowd at the moment very odd isn't it what, what, what's the solution here sexy football more goals because we're winning I think bring back those uh, the ultra guys from Twitter. Get them back involved. Get the atmosphere going. What we need is, and I said this to Ryan last season, is preferably a bold man not wearing a shirt who's not watching the game at all, and he's just yelling at the people in the at the town end where with a loud hailer, getting the people going. You know, um, just just we we need something going on, and it's it's just not happening right now. It, I think the football, if it was slightly quicker and slightly more exciting then that would help but it, it's definitely a two-way street in that way because that tempo goes up if the crowd is going for it yeah and and we know this from last season that Harry McCurdy called out the fans and they that saying that the, the side thrive on atmosphere so we obliged and then we've just reverted to type yeah uh, Jacob Wakeling sort of said it earlier in the season but again he's too nice to really say it but it's just something has to give there that you can. There needs to be some some chance going on because I feel like the people like the players, generally speaking, and they're fairly happy with how the season's going. It it just needs to go up at, at least one level, hopefully three or four. But it's because that that counter ground could be a real weapon. And usually, we're not even good at the counter ground this season. We've actually done quite well, I think, at home, certainly in comparison. So 
I, I don't know what it is, but it just needs to be better. Lovely images of you telling Wakelin to get back in his box, you newbie, or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> as he bemoans the, the, the support. The Mark Hughes question, there's no way on earth any lower league manager is, is, is not looking at the Bradford game and going, oh, cool, I get to meet Mark Hughes and have a chat with him and talk shop, hopefully have a, a quick drink after the game or what have you. Um, it's, it's a huge, huge name at this level. Yeah, this is so early stages of the damned United, Clough versus Revy, Derby leads in the FA Cup. Like this guy has played for all the biggest teams in the world. He's managed in the Premier League, he's managed at international level. This guy is a huge, huge deal in League Two. And if you like Scott Lindsay, this is his first ever season, his sort of first proper season as a manager. Like that has got to be a crazy experience to be coming up against someone like that in a league game. So I I think that would just be really fun. Just to, if you beat Mark Hughes, you know, former Manchester City manager Mark Hughes in a game, that like that would be awesome as a man as a rookie manager. Yeah, I mean that going just to his Man City management spell is is the go to. Is it, it wasn't it wasn't moneyed Man City, was it? But it was Man City nonetheless. And, and generation wise when people will look at his Wikipedia page, you know, there's a generation that won't even regard his, his football career. I mean, I saw him play for Chelsea, Southampton, maybe Everton in, in his career, definitely Chelsea and Southampton. I never saw him play for Manchester United because I didn't see him get lamped at the County ground. I wasn't there. Um, But yeah, a career which went Manchester United, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Manchester United. Uh, not bad, eh? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know until fairly recently that he'd done that. I didn't know him much. I was not. I don't think I was alive when he was playing. But like that, that CV, especially for someone of Scott Lindsay's age, he'll know all about Mark Hughes and just be like, "I'm a few feet away from this guy. We're both yelling at the fourth official together. Isn't this fun?" He didn't really say that, but he's definitely thinking it. <laughs> Bring back perms in football, I say. <laughs> Bring back perms generally. Get them involved. I've seen mullets coming back. Perms can't be far off. Oh, man. I think this is about the third time the mullets come back round. My brother definitely had a fashion mullet in about 2001-2. Very ill-advised, but very, very funny for me. Well, you know, if, if he's feeling good about himself and you get something to pick on, that's the dream, isn't it? It really was. It really, really was. Okay, so... There we go. I think that's pretty much everything covered. Congratulations. You were the closest. I went too bold uh, last week with the score predictions by 4-1. I was feeling like this was it um, in about the 17th minute on Saturday. And then, oh, it slowed down. And then because you predicted 2-0, you get the point. Um, Bradford, though, haven't predicted a loss in the league this season so far. But I'm going 2-1 Bradford. It's the first time. What are you going for? I'm going to be marginally more positive and say 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I was going to go 1-1 one, one originally. Um, I think Bradford's draw, draw there, beat him at home. That's that's a good return. Yeah, when you're playing your you know, potential playoff or even promotion rivals in these teams, if you go to their place and take a point out of it, that's a, that's a great result, really. We shouldn't be fearing them either, should we? I mean, we, we've proved several times that, you know, away from home, we, we can do stuff. Yeah, we have fell, fallen against some of the higher teams, Northampton, Stevenage, but doesn't mean it's going to happen this time. So I hope we go there positively and um, give them a ruddy good go. Definitely. It's, you know, we're going there on equal terms. We were playing, you know, Stevenage, Northampton. We were looking up a bit at them, but we're a point and a place above Bradford. So even though we're away from home, 
you go there and you think we can definitely do this and hopefully they get an point or hopefully more yeah that would be nice well we'll see here's a hoping joe thank you very much thank you very much rich The Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hello, bubble. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18+. plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.